Okay. So, today we're going to continue session 90. Law of One, received June 19, 1982. We're up through um, 9015, uh, talking about cosmology a little bit and the logos. Dawn is trying to get a sense of um, the plan of the logos that created the octave, seven-dimensional system, uh, in terms of uh, the um, original desire. Ross had the original desires, and entities seek and become one. So there is a purpose to life, and then the purpose, the meaning of life, is to fulfill the purpose of life. And the purpose of life or incarnation, Ross said, is the evolution of mind-body-spirit. And that's the purpose for which creation um, uh, came to be. That's the reason uh, there, uh, you know, light, let there be light, that light was let be. The being of light is for the purpose of um, the experience of entities that have an experience uh, that uh, ideally they will organize uh, to make evolution their own and that um, serves the one. Uh, Don was trying to pull in the, the archetypical mind, which is the, a portion of the roots of mind in 3D space-time only, as uh, an aspect of logoic plan to support evolution. And uh, 90.14, Don was asking, saying that he understand the archetypes as the biases of very fundamental nature, that generate experiences of each entity. And it wasn't quite that they generate, but Ross said the archetypical mind is part of that mind which informs all experience. The Please recall the definition of the archetypical mind as the repository of those refinements to the cosmic or all mind made by this particular logos and peculiar only to this logos. Thus it may be seen as one of the roots of mind, not the deepest, but certainly the most informative in some ways. The other root of mind to be recalled is that of the racial or planetary mind, which also informs the conceptualizations of each entity to some degree. So uh, I gave this um, strat str uh, stratification map of the mind, the, the strata of mind being conscious mind, then personal subconscious, then collective subconscious, which gets into the um, the race, what what seems to me the racial, which is the deep mind of archetypical mind, the archetypes that inform all experience or uh, represent some of the architecture of deep mind by which we fashion experience, by which we may grow or evolve. Below that, something called planetary mind or other aspects of racial mind, and there is genetic, you know, aspects to racial mind, of course, meaning different genetics of so-called races globally um, give certain deep mind biases uh, that individuals in that body with that genetics of that so-called human race, you know, color skin type thing, uh, has some influence. Then there's a planetary mind beyond the racial and then cosmic mind. Uh, so it's not a it's not a good idea to um, over emphasize emphasize the importance of the archetypical mind 
Um, and it's not that that's the only way the logo structured uh, creation for evolution. Going on, 9015, Don asks, at what point in the evolutionary process does the archetypical mind first have effect upon the entity? Ross said, at the point at which an entity, either by accident or design, reflects an archetype. The archetypical mind resonates. Thusly, random activation of the archetypical resonances begins almost immediately in third-density experience. The disciplined use of this tool of evolution comes far later in this process. Okay, so a, quote, random activation of the archetypical resonances uh, begins almost immediately in third density. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, an entity uh, randomly um, or by its own fashioning of experience, which is conceptualization, right? I mean, what is fashioning experience? There's certainly the sensation in my body that it doesn't seem like consciously fashioned, although deeper levels of mind can be said to be the basis of the body. Okay, that's one level of analysis. But what is experience? Well, it's basically um, embodied conceptualizations, it seems to me. Um, uh, physicalized uh, mental process. Embodied mentation. Mentation meaning mental activity. Uh, I am Scott sitting here talking to you. I'm feeling this way and that. And so are you with your own conceptualizations of your own experience or, you know, identity and differentiations of the experience, uh, that's all, um, that's all, uh, that's all fashioned by mind. That's naming activity, in fact. So, as that goes on, as, as the being in third density um, thinks, uh, somehow there's this random activation. It's really not activation, it's basically the conscious mind resonating with aspects of the, of the archetypical mind. And so that would happen by the, just the person experiencing a distinction between conscious and unconscious, right? Magician, high priestess, or card matrix and potentiator of mind, resonance by simply that experience that um, I'm conscious uh, in a limited way and there's more that I can know that's not yet conscious, subconscious. Okay. So anyway, uh, obviously, yes, disciplined use of the tool of evolution, the archetype tarot cards comes later for an adept, um, but it's not necessary as far as I know. I mean, <laughs> there are Buddhist adepts that uh, don't do this kind of thing, and um, they're finished with the path as far as I can tell. Buddhist, Hindu, yogis, adepts, they don't, don't think about 22 cards. So... Uh, it's, it's, uh, Don, I think, overemphasizes this because he has a sort of white magical bias or bias towards white magic. Uh, but anyway, okay, so the mind reflects it um, unconsciously or, or instinctively once, uh, you know, almost immediately in third density, right? When there's an experience of a distinction between conscious and unconscious, I would say. 9016, what was the ultimate objective of this Logos in designing the archetypical mind as it did? Ross said, each Logos desires to create a more eloquent expression of experience of the creator by the creator. The archetypical mind is intended to heighten this ability to express the creator in patterns more like the fanned peacock's tail, each facet of the creator vivid, upright, and shining with articulated beauty. And that's um, an interesting perspective because... 
it's it's a um, intrinsic uh, structuralization. It's an organization of mind, of human mind or mind in three D physical, right? Because we're just talking space time. So, for beings in three D space time physical dimension, um, this ordering of deep mind processing uh, was established. The archetypes. Uh, we can say yes, eloquent. You know, um, has these intentions. Was established in the deep mind, um, racial or personal um, deep mind, the human racial, um, to basically more fully articulate mental experience or experience overall, to more to more um, to present to to provide a more orderly. Um, differentiated um, mental processing experience in third density or processing of mental experience in 3D. A more eloquent expression of experience of creator by creator. And you can also say that it probably has, the archetypical mind probably has a great basis in fifth ray or, or relate, resonance to fifth ray, blue ray, throat chakra. Because um, <clears throat> highly developed fifth chakra is uh, or reveals eloquent expression of experience. The capacity to exper- to express oneself eloquently, uh, experience of creator by creator, right? Because all beings are the creator. Uh, heighten the ability to express the creator by the creator. Um, patterns more like fanned peacock's fa- tail, meaning uh, a uh, articulated, differentiated, um, multifaceted uh, portrait or or uh, display not one color, not monochromatic, not um, not homogenous. <laughs> and so vivid, upright, shining with articulated beauty. And and again, that kind of perspective, I mean, Carla doesn't talk this way. <laughs> Don and Jim, they don't talk this way. Uh, I don't talk this way. I try to learn it. And so this is um, the, the uh, profound refinement of mind of higher self. And you see that, and I see that in the Seth material also. These kind of these kinds of phrases, um, enormously rich in variety of of experience and emotion. Ra had said of higher self, something like that. So emotion of love, <clears throat> but the um, the the multi-spectral, multi-hued, rainbow, um, vast color range of feeling of love associated or all associated with love. Uh, known and expressible by higher self. 9017. <clears throat> is Ra familiar with the archetypical mind of some other logos that is not the same as the one we experience? Ra said, There are entities of Ra which have served as wanderers, as far wanderers to those of another logos. The experience has been one which staggers the intellectual and intuitive capacities. For each logo sets up an experience, an experiment, enough at variance from all others that the subtleties of the archetypical mind of another Logos are most murky to the resonating mind, body, and spirit complexes of this Logos. That's strange. And that's not the same as body form, right? The, the body forms of other groups in other dimensions, three, four, five, let's say, are so different. We're talking about the, um, uh, the establishing of roots of mind, the establishing... Um, roots of mind associated with the processing of experience for evolution. That's what this is all about, the archetypical mind, I think, is 
these 21 cards particularly, represent the way that mind may use catalyst associated with mind and then body and then spirit, catalyst experienced in those three realms of mind, body, spirit, processed by mind um, for evolution, um, potentiating matrices, um, thereby fashioning polarized and usable, evolutionarily usable experience from catalyst uh, feeding significators of the three, which is really, again, mind. This is all in the mind. Significators of the three in the mind um, to move along transformation of the three complices, mind, body, spirit, uh, towards the great way, ultimately, of harvestability. That's all this is about. The, the tarot is about harvestability from three to four. It's not a tool for wanderers. It wasn't designed for wanderers. You can use it, but it's not a tool for wanderers. It's a tool for entities moving to harvestability from three to four. But um, interestingly, not only interesting, okay, we would expect each Logos um, established its own archetypical mind uh, uniquely. That could be called an experiment or the way of um, ordering deep mind in 3D physical the ordering of the deep mind uh, that entities use in 3D physical in their lo- in their octaves. This could be called an experiment, <clears throat> but it, these these uh, unique formulations of archetypical mind are enough at variance from all others that the subtleties of the archetypical mind of another logos are most murky to the resonating mind-body-spirit complexes of this logos. So what? This logos doesn't understand that logos in its archetypical the subtleties of its fashioning, or ordering, articulating of the archetypical mind in its octave? Okay, that's strange. So this Logos doesn't know that Logos? I don't know. It seems like that. The, the subtleties of how another Logos structures its archetypical mind in its octave and third density physical is murky to another Logos? Okay, well, it certainly may indicate that there's a long, long, long road to omniscience longer than the the end of the octave to the Logos, so that people, entities in eighth density, which are comparable to Logoic awareness, um, are not omniscient. Okay? So omniscience maybe is, got to wait till you become a galactic Logos. But Obviously, um, various logoi establish um, various uh, or and unique uh, archetypical structurings in their 3D deep mind for the entities in their octave. Okay, 9018. The there seems to have been created by this logos to me anyway. A large percentage of entities whose distortion was towards warfare. Now we pull out of the archetypical for for the moment, but not for too long. A large percentage of entities whose distortion was towards warfare, in that we had the Maldek and the Mars experience, and now Earth, it seems that Venus was the exception to what we could almost call the rule of warfare. Was this, is this correct? And was this envisioned and planned into the construction of the archetypical mind? Possibly not with respect particularly to warfare as we've experienced it, but to the extreme action of polarization and consciousness. And um, Don really is trying to pull everything back into um, 
to try to pull the um, or relate the uh, unfolding of soul evolution in the octave to the fashioning of the archetypical mind in third density. And yes, there is relationship, but it's not, um, it, it doesn't explain everything, it seems. But yes, it's true, Mars and Maldek, um, given up to warfare, bellicosity, are um, the most immediate progenitors to, uh, of human population. And I've talked about this a lot, and um, don't ever underestimate the um, significance of the uh, soul, of, of the experience of Maldek and Mars upon the collective consciousness of humanity on Earth. Venus, uh, not exception to the rule, I wouldn't put it that way, but I would say that Venus represents the counterpoint in which it was harmonia, a highly harmonious, positively oriented evolution from third to six. And that's the counterbalance in this solar system. Ra answers and says, It is correct that the Logos designed its experiment to attempt to achieve the greatest possible opportunities for polarization and third density. It is incorrect that warfare of the type specific to your experiences was planned by the Logos. This form of expression of hostility is an interesting result, which is apparently concomitant with the tool-making ability. The choice of the Logos to use the life form with the grasping thumb is the decision to which this type of warfare may be traced. So you can't, it's not that the, the structuring of archetypical mind in this octave, in the solar system, is responsible for everything that's happening here. It isn't like that. And it's not that the Logos plans everything. People really don't understand that um, um, your parents are not in charge. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy are not in charge. Uh, sorry, there's something called the law of free will, which is the way by which entities grow up, which many people don't want to. And so, if God exists, uh, why is there evil and warfare and violence on Earth? Because you have free will. And there's something cause, called causality. Ha ha. But there's also multi-incarnational reincarnation, reincarnation, incarnation again and again, multiple lives in multiple dimensions, um, which is uh, whose, um, whose processing or flow is subject to causality, meaning cause and effect. And so if you plant a bad seed, you get a bad plant, a bad, uh, you know, fruit. If you if you don't walk in love and truth, you uh, probably end up in conflict. And um, on a larger scale, that goes to warfare. And God doesn't stop it, because he wants you to grow up. And so many people don't seem to get that. They don't want to grow up here. There's a certain um, dogged resistance to taking full and true or true and full responsibility for ourselves, our lives, and our world, and the history of this civilization. So, okay, yes, the Logos designed the experiment, meaning the, um, the uh, parameters of light in seven dimensions, um, the particular ratios of, of love-light, light-love, intelligent energy, as it even establishes seven dimensions, and, and then the tweaks to the archetypical mind in 3D physical human-level mind, these are done to achieve greatest possible opportunities for polarization, 
in their density and other densities. So the original desires and NTC can become one. That's why we have this experience. But warfare is not because warfare was not planned by the Logos. It's simply allowed. Uh, it's planned by the, the war makers. <laughs> but the war makers are allowed to keep doing their thing. Uh, and if the people around them don't stop it, then they do. Um, as to warfare itself, Rob traces it back to opposable thumb, tool-making ability that came from the grasping thumb, opposable thumb, as um, the uh, morphological, physiological basis or ten bias towards tool-making or, or that which conferred tool-making ability and um, becomes the line of least resistance. Right, so the 2D uh, Syrian trees, or the 3D Syrian trees, the tree civilization from Sirius, uh, have no opposing thumb or grasping thumbs, and so they just go telepathic. 9019. Then did our Logos hope to see a gen hope to see generated a positive and negative harvest from each density up to the sixth, starting with the third, as being the most efficient form of generating experience known to it at the time of its construction of this system of evolution? Well, I said yes. So, uh, uh, the positive and negative harvest from each density, meaning the fact that there are two paths that came after the veil. The Logos knew that once there was this veiling in 3D, or shrouding between conscious and unconscious, there would be established uh, a negative path or a path, uh, a way of evolving back to source up the dimensions without love, at least until sixth density. Therefore, that there would be a positive and negative harvest to these densities, three, four, five. And um, this harvesting as a efficient form of generating experience or generating experience leading to harvestability. Uh, yes, the Logos hoped for that or knew that that would happen. Don goes on, then built into the bias, the basis for the archetypes is possibly the mechanism for creating the polarization in consciousness for service to others and service to self. Is this, in fact, true? Ross said, yes. And said, you will notice the many inborn biases which hint to the possibility of one's path being more efficient than the other, of one path, one paths being more efficient than the other. This was the design of the Logos. You see, Don keeps pulling everything back to the archetypical mind, and Ra doesn't want to stay there. You see this, I see this again and again and again. Don um, seems to believe that the structuring of the archetypical mind um, was the way by which uh, all sorts of dynamics for evolution in the octave um, were established, but it seems to be not. Certainly, the archetypical mind um, was tweaked suchly, thusly, to assist in, in uh, polarization in third density, after the veil. Yes, indeed. The seven, the fact that there are 21 cards or, or archetypes before the 22nd instead of three, instead of nine, means that it's veiled. So the veiling brought the, the three, um, which was basically the matrix potentiator and significator, uh, from before the veil to the seven-fold matrix or, or cycle of mind then body then spirit after the veil surely that change was to aid in um, polarization right 
attempt to achieve the greatest possible opportunities for polarization in third density and every other density. So, okay, um, the veiling that changed the archetypical structure from um, three cycles of three to three cycles of seven to 22, 21 plus one, that was done to achieve a greatest or greater uh, possible greater opportunity for polarization third density, okay? That polarization in third density surely is the basis of the two paths, uh, but it's not the basis of the whole octave. <laughs> and the purpose of uh, the veiling is to help polarization when it was sluggish previously, before the veil. And the purpose of the polarization is that the, the beings in the octave fulfill their purpose for being, which is to polarize and uh, become one again, which is um, the goal of, of letting there be light. And so, um, <clears throat> it, it, to the extent that there's veiling, there'll be two paths. To the extent that, that um, the Logoi tweaked the 21 um, concept complexes or these 21 nodal uh, points in the three cycles, mind, body, spirit, that was done to, again, facilitate polarization, which would become positive and negative, but mainly positive. And so um, Ross said, yes, there are many inborn biases um, which are associated, you can say, with the structuring of the archetypes, but it goes beyond that. There's something called higher self, you know, which is not an archetype. And so <laughs> there's the mind, the conscious mind relation to the higher self. So rather than looking at your own belly button, there is also uh, the sun in the sky. And so looking at the archetypes to me is like looking at your belly button a little bit and um, looking at the structure, um, the structure within. Uh, within within the embodied self, within the 3D self, because it's within the 3D mind. But there's something beyond the 3D mind, you know. <laughs> it's called totality. And um, much, much guidance and much help is available in total from totality than from looking down, in and down, at the um, roots of the 3D mind. So these inborn biases hinting to the possibility of one path more efficient than the other is the positive path. And that's also associated with the fact that a uh, higher self uh, is uh, standing there waving behind these inborn biases, saying, hello, you can come here if you like or listen. I have something to say. 90.21, Don goes on. Then what you are saying is that once the path is recognized, either the positive or the negative polarized entity can find hints along his path as to the efficiency of that path, is this correct? That's not what Ra meant. Ra said, that which you say is correct upon its own merits, but is not a repetition of our statement. Our suggestion was that within the experiential nexus of each entity, within its second density environment, and within the roots of mind, there were placed biases indicating to the watchful eye the more efficient of the two paths. Let us say, for want of a more precise adjective, that this Logos has a bias towards kindness. The bias towards love or positive path, uh, kindness. So one root of the positive path is called kindness. Simple, simple. Uh, if one appreciates kindness, one will um, naturally appreciate the inborn bias towards the positive path. Or if one really can appreciate kindness, 
one can go very far and and keep growing on the positive path kindness means don't don't use harsh speech and don't curse uh on and on and on um we've all been doing that sometimes it's not a good idea um it's called harsh speech so the bias towards kindness uh how do we um um face the evil human evil and these uh, maldek uh, mars repeaters that are in positions of power on planet earth here at the end of the cycle well how do you you know love thine enemy well it doesn't mean like them and it certainly doesn't mean help them <laughs> uh, you can send them love and light if you if you wish but um a kindly um th- there's a Buddhist uh, sutra, or it's a it's a doc, it's a document written much much later than Gautama, and I think there's maybe Tibetan or Mahayana Indian Mahayana something called kindly bent to, kindly bent to to ease us or kindly disposed to to ease us or something, uh, a, a kind disposition, kindliness, it it's a very serious um, power, it it's it's the the root of ahimsa is this uh, appreciation of kindness and um, loving kindness metta right but it doesn't have to be love because love the word that the connotations of love are very heavy while the connotations of kindness and friendliness are not friendliness is sort of shallow but kindness um, is heart resonant um, but it isn't heavy-handed and um, it's a great achievement to be a kind person actually it's a great achievement and there are not so many around um, there are people who are weak and not harmful, uh, and there are people who um, put on a, on a on a smiley, soft face because they uh, have anger that they don't want to uh, face and release, and they think that putting on a uh, a warm face is the way to get free of the pain in their that they're carrying with their old anger that hasn't been healed. But that's not what I mean. I mean real kind kind heart. And that's a, something I think we all can um, can seek. So it's simply the deep in the roots of the mind and in the second density environment, meaning the way that animals particularly relate to each other, um, gives um, a deep mind, reveals um, the logoic bias towards the positive path or the logoic beingness of infinite love, second principle enabling love, which is also kindness. You know, let all beings be well and happy. May all beings um, seek and grow. Um, let there be light is a, is a tremendous act of kindness. 90.22, Don goes on. Then you say that the more efficient of the two paths was suggested in a subliminal way to second density to be the service to others' paths. Am I correct? <laughs> Ra said, we did not state which was the more efficient path. However, you are correct in your assumption, as you are aware from having examined each path in some detail in previous querying. And so, Ra is um, a tight teacher, and they will say that um, your statement may be correct, but we didn't say that, and Ra didn't explain which um, was the more efficient path. Maybe they would have felt that's an infringement to state it so directly. But Don is right. Yes, indeed, the positive is is a more um, is a is the more efficient path, 
And that's ultimately why 90% of the souls leaving 3D in the galaxy, it appears, uh, go on to the positive path, go for the positive. Um, but, you know, Don, Don's mind is very... Um, he gives himself trouble and um, uh, was suggested in a subliminal way. It isn't exactly suggested in a subliminal way. It's that the whole structure of reality is built out of love. <laughs> the, the, the nature of light is love. It's called intelligent energy. Light, love, love, light. It's light whose nature is love. And that love is not a dualistic love of uh, I love you or me and you or this and that or love versus not love. But the second principle, second law, law of love, which is really um, the letting there be the third principle light. <laughs> the, the, the allowing or letting be or... Um, infinite the generation of infinite light the infinite generation of light is is an act of love <laughs> is an act of giving obviously it's an act of um of, of enabling um all to be and all to grow that all of course is the logos itself so it's uh, self-love or love of its own infinity Inf the the love of infinity for itself or the intrinsic love that is the nature of infinity expressed uh, in light and that's that's the subliminal <laughs> that that's that's uh, not subliminal it's superliminal or or uh, uh, essentially liminal <laughs> it's the it's the nature of light um, uh, resonating with all uh, frequencies of light uh, being associated with the second law, second law, which is associated with love. That's why the second, that's why the positive path is essentially more uh, efficient because it's in resonance with reality, which is called unity or infinite, un, you know, unified infinity or infinite unity whose nature is love. 9023, would this be the reason for the greater positive harvests? I suspect that it isn't, but would there be would there be logoi that have greater negative percentage harvests because of this type of biasing? Um, I think that it is the reason for greater positive harvests, frankly, or greater harvesting of souls to the forty positive than negative. I'm not sure why Don says it isn't, but Ross said no, which um, it isn't the reason for greater positive harvests. But we're not sure which question Ra's responding to. Don asked two. No, Ra goes on. There have been logoi with greater percentages of negative harvests. However, the biasing mechanisms cannot change the requirements for achieving harvestability, either in the positive or in the negative sense. There are logoi which have offered a neutral background against which to polarize. This logos chose not to do so, but instead to allow more of the love and light of the infinite creator to be both inwardly and outwardly visible and available to the sensations and conceptualizations of mind-body-spirits undergoing its care in experimenting. And so, in our logos here, um, the background against which we polarize, the apparent outer, the apparent structural, in which the apparent functional um, exercises itself as function, right? Function, structure, and function cosmic plan as structure, uh, soul evolution as function, 
body, 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 spirit as structure and mind as function. However, the apparent external structural of body, body, spirit actually is mind too. Is the projection of mind into the appearance of structure, and so in late sixth density, it's understood that um, light itself is a projection of its source, or light itself is derivative of source, and the source is not light. The source is is prior to light, uh, preluminal, and in terms of Logoi and octaves, yes, other logoi and octaves have had greater percentages of negative harvest. And you can even say um, that Mars and Maldek uh, show um, how, um, the, show the failure of the um, solar systemic Illuminati, of the Orion multi-solar the Federal Orion Federation, multi-solar, multi-dimensional federation, uh, their failure at, at adequately um, harvesting uh, to 40 negative in the solar system. Now, there may have been a couple of fellows who graduated to 40 negative on Maldek and Mars. There may be a couple of fellows who graduate, like, you know, Rasputin and uh, Genghis Khan and Taras Bulba, that go to 40 negative from this cycle of 3D on Earth. Yes, there may be some. But overall, blowing up your planet um, is a far lesser gain to Orion than uh, roping in another planet in another solar system that establishes a stable 4D negative civilization. So the reason that they failed on Mars and Maldek, or the reasons, uh, probably include this the, the predominance of love or the, the bias or the nature of um, the nature of this logos here in the solar system, choosing not to provide a neutral background, but to allow more love light of the infinite creator um, into manifestation, to allow more of the infinite love of, in, of the infinite one to manifest both inwardly and outwardly um, in both structure and function, in both the structure of body and the uh, environmental structure of nature, the, the, the patterns of, nat uh, of the biological structure and geological structure, mineral and biological, right? Uh, whether it's plant and animal, both. The structure of the planet from red black dirt through um, orange yellow green vegetation through blue sky through indigo nighttime sky to um, the white stars and the white sun and and uh, th that spectrum visible outwardly that's the spectrum of seven so the the that that's a very important point is that um uh, God can be seen in nature, darn right, and um, this this represents the bias of this logos towards not providing a neutral background or not heavily veiling, veiling a little less, so that veiling in three D mind, right? The veiling is veiling is associated with three D ex physical experience. That's all. 
Archetypical mind is explicitly experienced or associated with 3D physical incarnation evolution only. The octave is a whole lot bigger than, than the archetypical mind and the veiling. And so, uh, in the, the structure of the seven-dimensional system, we do indeed see more uh, of Godhead um, in, in the apparent um, structure, outer structure, and inwardly visible too. Inwardly is in mind, or our experience of, of our, the nature of our experience the very means by which we fashion experience, the very structure of our fashioning of experience also reveals more of um, infinite love light source. And that's available to what? Sensations and conceptualizations, right? Well, that's the second skanda and the fourth skanda in the five skandhas. Second is sensation feeling and the fourth is uh, samskara or sankara uh, conceptualizations. And so we are also beings undergoing the care of this Logos in this experiment. So there, this is a very uh, lovely solar system and a very lovely octave or um, Logos. So there, um, I have a certain fondness for this Logos myself. 9024, were there other circumstances, biases, consequences, or plans set up by the Logos other than those we have discussed for the evolution of its parts? through the densities. Ross said, yes. Don asked, what are those? Which are circumstances, biases, consequences, or plans? It's quite a big question there. Uh, set up by the logos, other than what we've discussed. <laughs> yeah, we have not discussed everything. What were these? Ross said, one more. And it's more than one more. <laughs> I mean, this is just an introductory discussion. One more. That is the permeability of the densities so that there may be communication from density to density and from plane to plane or subdensity to subdensity. So if we are on the physical plane here, this would be third density. If the person is operating mainly into in the personality, then they're operating at 3.2 or 3.3. That could be called a subdensity plane of consciousness or experience. So a person who's mainly in the emotional, right, uh, taking the crowd for their teacher, is often uh, experiencing mainly 3.2. A person who's more in the social but doesn't really understand universal love and is a materialist or a skeptic or an atheist or uh, you know a uh, happy intellectual, they're not happy actually, they're self-tormenting intellectuals, they're 3.3 generally. And then you know we have people, subplanes 4, 5, 6 generally. So there's a certain permeability to the densities. That's important. I think it's much more important than the archetypical mind myself. But I'm more interested in evolution uh, up through the higher densities. And Don is questioning archetypical mind, which is really just evolution in third density. But it is associated with the establishing of, of the veil and therefore the establishing of polarity and therefore critical to the fulfillment of cosmic plan. Okay, yes. 9026. Don goes on. Then, as I see the plan for the evolution by this Logos, it was planned to create as vivid an experience as possible, but also one which was somewhat informed with respect to the infinite creator and able to accelerate progress as a function of will because of the permeabilities of densities. Have I covered accurately the general plan of this Logos with respect to its evolution? And what he said seems quite accurate and deep. 
um, to create a vivid illusion or experience. I wouldn't say the logos, everyone wants to create an experience as vivid as possible, but it's as um, useful for polarization as possible um, in the view of this particular logos. And other logo, I have different views, it seems. And so when you get to be a logos, you can structure an octave. Hey, hey. Uh, also, informed with respect to the infinite creator, meaning some uh, permeability, um, some re some very, very subtle resonance between the seven-dimensional frequencies and intelligent energy and its source. And this permeability of densities allows communication. And also... Um, the fact, you know, the, the, many Hindus understand that um, the whole universe manifests in the human body, this kind of thing. Mount Meru uh, in the head, and uh, the seven chakras uh, as uh, very physically embodied, or um, accessing and related to the physical, but not only, also every other subtle body, yeah, all seven bodies are accessed by the seven chakras, because they are um, nodal points um, mm, connecting all seven bodies, energy fields, seven chakra energy fields, and therefore one can travel in in the octave and seven dimensions freely from a physical basis, actually, not with the physical body, but uh, with the higher bodies by consciousness transformed in the physical body. That's what <laughs> the great, the greatest the adepts are. That's kind of amazing. Ra said, accepting the actions of the unmanifested self and the actions of self with other self, you've been reasonably thorough uh, of the general plan of this Logos. Reasonably thorough. Yeah, this is all introductory. So, But there's also an unmanifested self, <laughs> by the way, which is called not relating to others. And then there is action or activity of relationship, self and other self. 9027. Don says, then, is the major mechanism forming the ways and very essence of the experience that we presently experience here, the archetypical mind and the archetypes? He loves it. The major mechanism, the major mechanism, forming the ways and very essence of the experience that we presently experience here, the archetypical mind and the archetypes. And Ross said, these resources are a part of that which you refer to. He really wants Don Ra to say, yes, the very essence of the experience we have here is the archetypical mind. But it ain't so. It just ain't so. <laughs> the, 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 the structure of deep mind in 3D is not the totality of mind. And it's not the totality of one's being or being. So it isn't the very essence of the experience we have here uh, being the archetypical mind. It's a part uh, of our, um, the fashioning, the formation of our experience. 90.28, Don goes on. What I am really asking is what percentage, part, roughly, do these or are these responsible for? Don Ra again pulls him back and says, We ask once again that you consider that the archetypical mind is a part of the deep mind. There are several portions to this mind. The mind may serve as a resource. To call the archetypical mind the foundation of experience is to oversimplify the activities of the mind-body-spirit complex. To work with your query 
as to percentages is therefore enough misleading in any form of direct answer that we would ask you to re-question. And so, <laughs> I don't know what his thing is with the archetypical mind, but <clears throat> um, it isn't all that he assumes it is or hopes that it is, actually. It's a part of the deep mind. It's There are other portions to the deep mind, like, like racial, planetary, and cosmic, <laughs> right? The deep mind includes the cosmic mind, if you hadn't noticed. It's not just personal. Don't, don't get stuck in the personal, right? There is transpersonal. The mind may serve as a resource. Haha. <laughs> you mean there are resources outside of the mind. Ho ho. So <laughs> don't get stuck in the archetypical. Don't get stuck in the personal. Don't get stuck in the mind. The mind is not just thinking. But thinking is, is the, is, is the um, lower manifestation of mind. Mind is more than thinking and um, the other resources of of experience or being is uh, includes spirit so <laughs> there is spirit as spirit complex or higher chakras as resource that are transmental or uh, supramental and uh, may involve um, trans conceptuality or will <laughs> involve the the various forms of lightning and thunder and that's a little different so to call the archetypical mind the foundation of experience oversimplifies the activity of the mind body spirit complex and that's the, the that's the key teaching there the activity and experience of our totality is more than simply mark typical mind don goes on recorrects um, we're going to end the session today, so we just have a couple more here. 9029, Don says, that's okay. I don't think that was a good, that, I don't think that was that good a question anyway. Okay, going on. Um, Don says, now, when Ra initially planned for helping the Egyptians with their evolution, what was the most, or the primary concept, and also the secondary and tertiary, if you can name those, that Ra wished to impart to the Egyptians? In other words, what was Ra's training plan or schedule for making the Egyptians aware of what was necessary for their evolution? Um, I don't think that Ra or anyone can make anyone aware of what's necessary for evolution. So there's a, a lot of rigidity in, the, uh, in some of the question formation here. Um, schedule for making the Egyptians aware of what's necessary. You know, you can't even make a schedule for your own day if you um, are, are responding <laughs> to, to uh, unexpected events or, un or, or days occur as they often do with unexpected events. And that, that's another uh, kind of thing. We really can't control our progress on the path. If you want to, if you want to the greatest control is really how much time you spend in meditation. <laughs> Simply spending more time in meditation makes everything go faster. It, it accelerates catalyst and either crashing or um, freeing. You can get further entangled. You can get uh, a, a, a heavier crash injury emotionally, mentally. Or you can um, shine the light, reveal, and, and free yourself of pain and bondage faster by more practice, more meditation. But other than that, and, and then processing experience and balance. But other than that, you can't make anybody aware 
of what's necessary for their evolution. You just can't do it. This this whole kind of schedule for making them aware, it couldn't be done. Um, monasteries and yogis and monks, uh, people on doing heavy practice, just keep practicing and then what happens, happens. Ra said, I am Ra. I, we came to your peoples to enunciate the law of one. We wish to impress upon those who wish to learn of unity that in unity all paradoxes are resolved, all that is broken is healed, all that is forgotten is brought to light. We had no teaching plan, as you have called it, in that our intention when we walked among your peoples was to manifest that which was requested by those learned teachers to which we had come. We are aware that this particular line of querying, that is, the nature and architecture of the archetypical mind, has caused the questioner to attempt, to its own mind unsuccessfully, to determine the relative importance of these concepts. We cannot learn teach for any, nor would we take this opportunity from the questioner. However, we shall comment. The adept has already worked much, not only within the red, orange, yellow, and green energy centers, but already in the opening of blue and indigo. Up through this point, the archetypes function as the great base or plinth of a builded structure or statue, keeping the mind complex, viable, level, and available as a resource whenever it may be evoked. There is a point at which the adept takes up its work. This is the point at which a clear and conscious consideration of the archetypical mind is useful, not necessary, useful. And so, um, they had no teaching plan. <laughs> Their intention was not to, um, to lay down a training plan schedule for making the Egyptians aware of, what, aware of what was necessary for their evolution. And any ET or any teacher who has that kind of approach uh, is probably um, negatively oriented or um, confused and seeking and controlling. This kind of forcing is not the way of, of teaching. I mean, that's really why I left the Zen, Japanese Zen temple and went to Thailand. Um, there was just too much forcing and dominance, domination, um, to the uh, Japanese Rinzai uh, Zen tradition as it was expressed up there, Daibosatsu Zendo. Meanwhile, in Thailand, they give you teachings, they give you some meal, they give you a kuti in southern Thailand, and if you waste your time, uh, so be it. Uh, otherwise, nobody's bothering you, and you have lots of time for study and practice, and that's the end of that. And nobody's, nobody's uh, uh, screwing you around, and nobody's saying, do this, now do this, and this is the schedule. Da, 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 da. That whole thing is, um, is cynic, and, and um, C-S-I-N-I-C. It all came from China. That, that structuring of the monastery schedule and all that. In Thailand, in India, in Burma, Sri Lanka, it ain't like that. And so there was no uh, rigid plan that Ra came in with. They simply wanted to manifest that which was requested by those uh, among whom they were work walking. They wished to simply teach um, or show uh, the nature of unity which was the resolution of paradoxes. No, they don't have paradox. It isn't apparent of free will and determinism, or time and space, or self and other, or God and evil. These so-called paradoxes were are known in sixth density, or by awareness of unity. 
broken is healed, forgotten brought to light, right? Um, knock and it shall be and it shall be answered, or ask and it shall be uh, answered. So uh, there's revelation, there's healing, there's resolution of conflict and uh, apparent paradox. And um, this attitude um, to simply manifest what's requested by those um, around them is a lovely, lovely attitude, I think. And um, it's very different than uh, calling yourself to service to others. And Ra, with their great love, actually, showing that great love, um, actually pulled their answer back to refer to all that Don has been asking in um, many questions previous to 9029. So where Don's asking here, dropping the line of questioning regarding archetypes and how important archetypal mind is to evolution, Ra makes the linkage, answers the question about their history with the Egyptians, their training plan or schedule, which there wasn't, uh, and um, where we are in the session, or in the course of many sessions, in fact, with Don um, trying to um, determine the relative importance of the archetypical mind, the nature and archetypical, the nature and architecture of the deep of the archetypical mind, trying to figure out how important it is. And Ra basically says, "We ain't going to tell you," <laughs> um, and. Uh, or you've got to figure it out yourself, but they're not going to say it's critically important. What they're really talking about, or what the heart of their teaching about evolution, is not the use of archetypical mind. It's moving to the point of being an adept, or aware awareness of the law of one, or awareness of unity. An awareness of unity is not the law of one. The law of one, there's no law running around. There, there's the reality of unity or reality, that is unity. Unity is reality. And so, know that. <laughs> you can pretend you do, <clears throat> you can talk about it, but actually knowing unity is also knowing um, impermanence, and knowing uh, insubstantiality, anicca and knowing dukkha, actually, the in unsatisfactoriness of all experience that is impermanent and insubstantial. And that awareness of unity um, leads to all sorts of um, all sorts of well wellness, <laughs> like Ross said, healing what's been broken and resolving what seems um, paradoxical and answering questions. <clears throat> so, simply um, after the person has healed the lower triad or healed lower chakra blockages already done much with blue and indigo, fifth ray, sixth ray, a lot of wisdom, a lot of discernment, able to understand more clearly, really taking the time to understand more subtle or distinctions between between things, then um, they may consider the archetypal mind and uh, get into uh, working with it, or not. And so... Previously, it was just a, a base or plinth or the foundation of keeping the mind complex viable, level, available. That's all. So it's the it's a foundation for mind. But again, Ra's talking about in third density. And so it's different. 
finally, uh, towards the end, 90-30, I'm going to pull it together here. Don says, I have an observation on archetype 1 made by Jim and request comment by Ra. I will read it. Quote, the matrix of the mind is the conscious mind and is sustained by the power of the spirit, symbolized by the star, which flows to it through the subconscious mind. It contains the will, which is symbolized by the scepter of power in the magician's hand. All of creation is made through the power of the will, directed by the conscious mind of the magician. And the bird in the cage represents the illusion in which the self seems trapped. The magician represents maleness, or the radiance of being, manifested as the creation through which each entity moves. <laughs> Ra just sidesteps the whole thing. I mean, it's interesting commentary on the imagery and um, poetically phrased. Ra said, As this instrument is becoming somewhat weary, we shall not begin this considerable discussion. We would request that this series of observations be repeated at the outset of the next working. We would suggest that each concept be discussed separately, or if appropriately, or appropriate, a pair of concepts be related one to the other within the concept complex. This is slow work, but shall make the eventual building of the concept complexes more smoothly accomplished. Were we to have answered the observations as read by you at this space-time, as much space-time would have been given to the untangling of various concepts as to the building up of what were very useful, very thoughtful perceptions. May we ask if there are brief queries, any brief queries at this time? So, um, they didn't answer it because it would have, they just don't have the time. Carla's not, she needs to take a break. And... Um, they would have had to untangle various concepts and then build up what were thoughtful or accurate perceptions, both. So next time we'll get into the matrix of uh, mind or the magician card in more detail. 9031, Don asks, finally, is there anything that we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or improve the contact? Ra says, I am Ra. It is well that the appliances for the arms were placed upon this instrument. We ask that continued vigilance be accorded these distortions, which are, if anything, more distorted towards disease than at our previous cautionary statement. All is well, my friends. You are conscientious and faithful in your alignments. We appreciate your fastidiousness. I am Ra. I leave you now, rejoicing merrily in the love and the light of the one infinite creator. Go forth, then, rejoicing in the power and in the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. And that ends session 90. And um, so even if he got what seems to me to be hung up with the archetypes, um, they're very conscientious, faithful, fastidious, and um, they love Carla a lot. <laughs> and they really um, did a good job to make this possible and um, did a magnificent... I mean, honestly, I consider the raw material one of the most important spiritual documents since the time of Jesus. No doubt that one of the most important spiritual documents in the last 2,000 years is the raw material. No doubt for me. None. Um, you know, Gautama came before, <laughs> and other guys came before. But in the last 2,000 years, which have been a sort of dark ages, I think, um, even though the light is dawning now, the light of green ray love, um, I think in terms of transmission to 3D space-time humanity, this is in the in the top ten, <laughs> if not the top five. So, one of the most important transmissions to Earth humanity in the last two thousand years. 
made possible by these three people, Don and uh, Carla and Jim. So it's an um, inexhaustible debt of gratitude I have. Next time we'll talk session 91, talk about cosmology, planetary mind, and roots of mind, and of course a bit about the archetypes, matrix of mind card primarily. So thank you for being here today. I wish you well. Take good care and good night.